and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Natalie Dawes, I am really excited to be able to interview you for She's the Boss Chats and to hear your story because you've been so generous at sponsoring our online lunches and our learning tables. I'm really itching to know all about you. I'm so excited to be here, Jules. Uh, It has been such an incredible couple of months (laughs) getting to absorb myself in the She's the Boss community and, oh, my God, the women in this community is simply amazing. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much. So let's get into the nitty-gritty because this is all about you. So let's start by telling everybody what it is that you do now. Yeah, so... Jules mentioned my name's Natalie Dawes and I am the CEO and founder of a organization called Eliferous Leadership Strategies. And what Eliferous is all about is supporting leaders to actually, you know, acknowledge the challenges, the obstacles that they come across in their leadership journey, work through those and break through so that they can unleash their true leadership potential. And the way we do that is so uh, I do a range of coaching services. So working with leaders uh, in all sorts of um, industries. It's been really interesting. The uh, last few months I've been working with everything from leaders in education and we know how hard uh, teachers oh my and God, yes. and the yeah. are, are, are finding at, at the moment, the balance, the, the, the challenges, uh, but then also all the way up to, for example, uh, leaders in uh, one of the big music production uh, companies. So I'll hear everything from, you know, oh, I had a child behaviour issue today to, oh, I had a major pop star issue that I had to deal (laughs) with today. Um, So getting really amazing insights into, you know, the very different worlds that leaders operate in. Um, but also the very similar challenges that no matter that context that we're all that human we all go through the <laughs> highs and lows of leadership yeah I love it yeah now, first, that's the so thing now, and now the first thing I have to ask Natalie is what does eliferous mean why have you called it eliferous leadership yeah it's a little bit of a, a different name it is uh, so tell, tell it us is about a it Latin word. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I remember one, you know, when you're thinking you're going to start a business and let's be honest, there's a lot of leadership businesses out Mm. there um, doing all sorts of things in this space. So I wanted to make sure I had a name that was a little bit unique. So if you went and tried to Google like, oh, I remember meeting Nat from that business and you go and, you know, you Google or you're looking on LinkedIn or Facebook, you're able to find the right organization and not get overwhelmed by, oh my gosh, there's so many different variations of of this name. I don't remember which one. So I was looking for something that was unique and Eliferous, uh, no one had been using it. No. The only other Eliferous out there is actually a racehorse. Uh, and my hubby <laughs> and I have uh, bet a little bit on it. It's got me a couple of dollars, oh, nice. but uh, I took that as a good sign. Uh, but what the meaning, it's something deeper than that as well, not just the fact that it's very Googleable. Uh, but Eliferous actually means to have wings. Oh. Uh, and I rem- so that's the, the Latin meaning behind it. And if you see my logo, you see there's the beautiful stylized wing in, uh, in the name. But it actually sort of really goes to the origin of the business. And uh, so I myself had a really, really long leadership career. I've worked in uh, various public sector agencies. I've worked in the private oh, sector yeah. with companies. Well, now like hold Apple. on on that because I'm going to get. I've been traveling the world for the last fifteen yes, years. Yes, so hold on because I want you to go. Th- we're going to go through that story oh, yep. um, very soon. But Eliferous means to have wings, does it? Yes, and so it really ties in. Oh, we'll hold off then on the story. So I'll try not to reveal <laughs> that. Um, when I was in. A very difficult part of my life, which I think we will end up coming yeah. to is what you're alluding to, it Jules. Is. Uh, and I was really taking some time out to 
recover from what I was going through, but also to really reassess my life and my journey. And hang on, how did I get here? Where do I actually go? What do I want to do? You know, I was feeling so much overwhelm and feeling a, a little bit lost. And it was during that time I actually stumbled across a uh, a poem or a quote uh, online, and I don't even know how I stumbled across it, but it said, "She made beautiful look broken, and and strong look invincible. She walked with the universe on her shoulders, and made it look like." A pair of wings. Oh, I just love that. And when I read that, I was just like, oh, this is where I feel like I'm at at my at this point in my journey. Yeah. Um, and at this point where I'm thinking about creating my own business. But also when I thought about, you know, the journey that so many leaders go through. And again, whether you're leader because it's a title you have in the organization you work for, you're the leader in the business that you've created, you're a leader in a community group or you know or even in your home. In so many different areas of life. <laughs> yeah. In your home, a hundred percent. Um I thought that quote really resonated how so many of us feel like we're carrying so much weight and I wanted to create this business that's all about helping you break free of that weight. So you actually don't just feel like you've got that weight off your shoulders, but it feels like you have this amazing big pair of wings that are growing out of your shoulders and allowing you to really take flight as a leader and as just an amazing human. Oh, I in love this that. complicated world that we live yeah, in. Yeah, that's very that's very evocative. I can just sort of see that woman um, with those wings. So, uh, okay, now you've alluded to things weren't always fabulous and, and even though it's kind of awful sometimes to go through it, that is so good for other people to listen to. But we're going to go right the way back, Nat, first, if you're, if you're yes. okay with that. Tell me, where did you grow up and do you have any brothers and Let's sisters and what do your mum and dad do? Or what did they do? Yeah, so so I grew up in uh, the lovely coastal region of the Illawarra. Oh, lovely. Uh, so between Shell Harbour and Wollongong. So living in Shell Harbour but going to school in Wollongong. Wow. Uh, such a beautiful part of yeah. the world where the, oceans, uh, the ocean meets the mountains. Yeah, it's absolutely stunning. Uh, and, yes, yeah, so I was born in the 80s. Right. At <laughs> uh, uh, With. Uh, yeah, living with my mum and my dad, who um, being from Wollongong, they had actually met at the Steelworks, which was major employer All right. for many, many decades in the Illawarra region. Okay. Uh, and so it was me and my brother growing up. Uh, okay. And what did, um, so your mum and dad were both working in the Steelworks. That's really interesting. Talk to me about what school was like for you. So did you enjoy school? Were you good at school? I guess there's the, the two sides of it. So, yes, I was very good at school. I was always little miss high achiever. Uh, so always winning awards. I don't know why that doesn't marks, surprise me. All those sorts of things. Um, yeah, but it's it's one of those things. It's also the, well, why are you little miss high achiever? Yeah. And for me it was always, you know, from a very young age, I um, – you know, my my father I would describe as being quite narcissistic. Right. Uh, and my mother, uh, who I'm still very close with, but she was always a little bit overprotective. Right. And so from a very young age, I always felt like I had to work really hard to earn my parents' approval, to meet the expectations, oh, so, to, to earn the love. So you didn't grow up with the sort of un unconditional and, love. It was all very conditional on your behaviour and what you did, did or that's what you felt, is it? That's that's what, how I perceived right. it. I can't judge whether no. it was. I'd say my mum was is very unconditional in her love. Yeah. But, you know, at that age it was always feeling like it, who do I need to be to be accepted, to be oh, you poor approved thing. of, to be loved. So did you get bullied and at school? so, you know. Was, was this just at home or was there bullying really. at school as well? No. Not so much, um, you know, the bullying and things. I think there over the years have been some people who have tried, but I kind of never <laughs> Pretty really resilient, I would think now. I'm like, you know, when someone picks on you about something and you're like, <laughs> yeah, I know, so? Yes, I like, love oh, that. Okay. <laughs> and, and I would imagine if, so, if things were tough at home that you do build, it builds a lot of resilience in a little girl as well. Yes, and I've been told uh, many times, <laughs> including later in life by uh, some psychologists, that I am a very resilient person. Oh, good on you. Um, so I guess it, it was that kind of challenging of, so yes, in many ways it was a very 
you know, successful with school and things like that. But it was always very difficult because I was always trying to figure out, well, hang on, who do my friends want me to be? Who do my teachers want me to be? And trying to mould myself. But, of course, you can never quite get it right because, one, I'm not that person. I'm me. I'm trying to force myself to be something I'm not. But also, you know, what I'm trying to be is what I'm imagining People which is perfection, I would imagine. Yes, which is impossible, really. So to achieve. for me, yeah. it was coming through very much. Yes, as oh, I need to be perfect. Oh, but what does thing. perfect look like? Okay, so did you go right the way through school? Did you last till year twelve? I very much did. Oh, well done. Uh, so it was, you know, got a scholarship scholarship to go to one of the best uh, high schools in the Wollongong region. Uh, And again, continued go through, um, achieved very well academically and all those sorts of things. Well done. Got to the end of it, got 99 points something in my HSC. Did you really? And all this sort of stuff. Oh, that's amazing. But it's that kind of thing. Well, thank you. But it's, again, it's one of those things where you think, and particularly for me, where I'm just trying to meet approval and live up to expectations and um, you think it's the entire world. And, yes, it's great. It opened up some doors to me and got scholarships for university and things like that. But, again, you know, I'm 38 now. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, well. Like, no one asks it's, what it, you got. No one cares. And I look at people <laughs> who got all sorts of scores that I went to school with and, you know, all are doing amazing No, it's funny, isn't it? I, I've got um, – two boys going through year 12 this year and I've actually said that to them and said even though it feels like it's your whole world at the moment uh, very soon no one you're never going to think about these marks again it's never going to be a problem and if you don't get the marks now to get into uni in five years you can go back and you'll be able to get in (laughs) it's quite it's quite weird but I'm you should be so proud of yourself for getting that though so where did you decide to go and what did you decide to do at uni? Yeah, so um, very obviously I went on to uni because it seems to be, you know, academia was a very big part of my um, life growing up. Right. Uh, I, I did catch myself at a bit of a crossroads because, um, and this, you know, again was a bit of a defining moment in my life. I um, I remember my mum had many times said to me growing up, like, you know, you work hard not to get, you know, the most money or the best job. You work hard so that you can choose. Ah, nice and, one, Mum. You know, it's one of those things. Yeah, that's good. Sounds very profound, but I was like, I don't really, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, but I think this was the first time it, it really, you know, I, I realised how true it was when I um, had planned, I at this time when I was finishing school, I wanted to be an economist. I was going to be the next Ross Gittins. Oh, right. So out in the media, making economics interesting and engaging and accessible to people. Yeah. Uh, so I knew I wanted to do something in that economic space. Um, but because I had um, in my HSC, I actually topped the state in IT in that particular year, which was like, oh my gosh, a girl topping IT? <laughs> this is unheard of. Uh, so the university were all over it, like, we want to give you a, a, a scholarship to come and do IT. Uh, and it was a bit of that, like, oh, look, a scholarship's really great, it's lots of money, but I don't think I really, that's not me, you know, I don't really have a passion for it. Okay. And then I had got offered a late offer, like, we'll give you a double scholarship to do, a scholarship to do any double degree you want. Wow, like, oh, okay. Matt. Um, and so I spend a lot of time, I mean, what do I do? The double um, scholarship, I can do whatever I want. The IT one, it's worth more. Um, and in the end, I went, you know what, my my passion is economics. So I decided to do a double degree in economics and law. Okay. So the law is very good tying with policy and things like yeah. that. But I remember going in and telling my dad, say like, dad, I finally made my decision. He's like, oh, yeah. And I said, oh, I'm going to do a double degree in economics and law. And he just looked at me and he's like, but isn't that the scholarship that's worth less money? Oh, my God, really? And it was like, oh, okay. One, it was that very, you know, clear to me, my dad and I are very different people. Yes. But it was that moment of, yeah, it is worth less money, but that's not what life is about. Life is about what is your passion? What brings meaning and joy to your life? And to me, I was like, how blessed am I that I'm getting this opportunity to go to university and pursue what I consider to be my dream? 
And so that's where it really hit me. That quote my mum said, you work hard. It's not because you've got to go there and get the most money or whatever it is. It's about creating a life where you've got choices. Yeah, I love that. You know, I found that many times through my life, the different doors open and you go, wow, I brought that door to me. And I've got the power to decide which door do I want to go Yeah, through. well done because there. We, I think, look, my dad was a doctor. I have been around lots and lots of doctors in my life and one, and I've now interviewed loads of women and particularly people who do very, very well at school get this pressure to go and do medicine or law or whatever it might be, often against their wishes uh, just because they've done really well. And like you say, it's not their passion. And that is why, in my opinion, we have a, a stack of doctors that have no bedside manner and no communication skills because they've just been really good at school. They don't have that passion for people. They've just been sort of pushed into this thing because yes. they're good at school. So I'm delighted that you got to follow your passion. So what was uni like? Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. I, um, you know, had a good group of mates. And so, of course, it's, you know, going and getting to study things that you're genuinely really interested in. Um, but also, you know, then get to go down to the uni pub and have beers with your mates and see oh, great very bands important. playing. <laughs> so all of that sort of stuff. The uni lifestyle was fantastic. Um, but it also marked a really difficult point in my life because I think that's the point at which my relationship with my dad became extremely tense yep. because I was a very strong, independent woman. I wanted to go out and um, do things, but my dad very much had, I, I describe it as the mentality of the old Italian man back in the village right. many decades yep. ago yep. of that, well, girls, no, you shouldn't be going out. You shouldn't be doing anything. You should be staying home and, and you know, learning calculus yes. and all the, I'm like, yeah, that's not me. Do you know, I, I, uh, I always so, remember coming back from uni and my mum saying, you stink of beer and cigarettes like a dirty old man on the street. <laughs> and me going, that's what you're supposed to do when you're at uni. What are you talking about? So did exactly. you move out, Matt? Did you, did, was there an opportunity well, to get out of the it, house? It did hit a point where I did end up um, moving out. I think it really became un- uh, too hard. Untenable. Yeah. I was becoming so depressed that I think it was the first time in my life I was really starting to notice, for example, the slip in my uni marks. Right. Um, which was like, you know, I was just so completely emotionally and psychologically overwhelmed with, you know, the the pain yeah. in my life. Yeah, of that, course. Um, it was like I can't keep doing this. I'd wanted to move out for quite a while, but I'm lucky for me. Um, I had friends who just had amazing supportive families. They had no reason to move out of home. Um, right. But in the end, I I ended up with a, a boyfriend who was looking to move out. And so I thought, okay, wasn't planning to move out with a guy, but this is my opportunity because I can't do it by myself. Yep. So I, I need to get out of this environment. Well, aren't you incredibly brave for doing that? Because it is very hard. But um, And on top of that, to have a difficult relationship with your dad, I can understand completely. So, so when you finished, what was the next step? What was the first job? Yeah, so I was really lucky in that. Um, so again, you know, Mark started picking up and things again at university and um, I won an award, which was something, I think it was like the highest marks in third year. Oh, my God, you're just so a, I went along to the awards you're amazing. night. I, my husband says I'm an absolute nerd <laughs> and that's fine. I'll wear it as a he badge of He says it with honor. love. <laughs> um, he does. I'm like, well, you married me, so that's right. <laughs> it can't be that bad. Um, but I went along to the awards night and it was sponsored by an organisation that I didn't know existed in the Illawarra. Okay. Um, and it turned out it was an organisation that did economic research and reports for the Illawarra region. Oh, wow. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, I thought I have to move to Sydney or Melbourne for these sorts of opportunity. There's something right here. Um, and so I met the uh, the CEO who was there for the awards night and he gave me a pack that had a lot of the reports they did. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, I I need this. I need to I need to find out how I can work here. And so I said to him, you know, I'd love any opportunities to come even just do some work experience. Um, he's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, and then, you know, of course, sort of life goes on. And a few months later, I was like, oh, you know, maybe I should like email that guy. Maybe I should just reach out and remind him, hey, you know, I was being serious. 
So I am um, very nervous for me and an absolute introvert. So I was like, oh my goodness, am I really going to be so forthright? But I wrote the email, sent it off and yeah, he got back to me. He's like, hey, one of you know the people in our team's um, just about to go on maternity leave. Maybe, you know, would you like to come in and fill oh, in for her perfect. and, and see how things go? Perfect. And so, yeah, that was my step into, so I was still at uni. I still had two years to go because I had to finish off my law degree and um, ended up doing a little bit of extra to get a marketing qualification. But uh, <laughs> wow. yeah, ended up working full time and studying part time. <laughs> and that really marked the start of what's been an incredible career. And also, I guess, taught you that even though it's scary to reach out, it's worth it. <laughs> so well done for doing that, even 100%. though it was against the grain. So what was the first job like? What was it like doing that maternity leave job? It was fantastic. I loved it. You know, for me, economics was always about how do I, like I said, make it interesting and engaging and accessible so people can actually understand it and go, oh, that's, that's what it means. Yeah. Rates or inflation <laughs> matter. Yeah. Oh, now I know what I can do with that and how I can, you know, make better decisions for my family or my business or whatever. Um, and so I, you know, got to jump straight into it, starting to help put some of these reports together. Um, I had joined late in the year and, you know, I was obviously working over the summer and the, the CEO was going um, on holidays. He's like, oh, Nat, I know you like to write. I've got to write a, a, a little article for the paper. Um, do you mind just writing it for me? Because um, I don't quite have time. I'm on holidays. I'm like, yeah, great. And I remember I did it, I emailed it up to him and I could hear because our office was an old building right? and his office was a, you know, a bedroom that was right above mine. And I remember hearing him like jump up from his desk and the steps coming quickly, like down the hallway, down the stairs to my room. He's like, did you write this? <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> like, this is better than what I write. Oh, I'm like, oh, brilliant. okay. Um, and so I was very lucky that I had this um, boss who was just so supportive yeah, he of me. sounds great. Very quickly, yeah, I was this, you know, little 20-something-year-old blonde chick, um, you know, still at uni, um, but he was doing saying, you know, hey, you're better at some of these things than me. You know, I love to communicate. So, you know, he was like, how about you, you know, write the articles for the paper? Oh, um, Hey, you're a really good presenter. Do you want to come and do the budget luncheon that all the business leaders and government leaders from the region are going to be attending? So very quickly, I was like, hang on a sec, I'm just graduating uni and I'm like the Illawarra's economics chick. Oh, that's so um, brilliant. so... I loved it. It was just having someone who was willing yeah. to go, you know what, I can see what you have to offer. I can see how this is going to help you grow. So you go do that. And you know you what, love it, and you, you know what, it. Nat, in some ways, because of the relationship that you and, and the way your dad was, I kind of love it that it's an older guy who did that for you as well, because your experience yeah. up until that date or up until that time, probably hadn't been great with men who were supporting you and, you know, showing you that that you were as brilliant as you are. So I, I kind of love that. Yeah, very much so. And even, you know, one of the things he did very early was, you know, in the Illawarra, there are um, some major sort of business networking events that all the, you know, creme de la creme of the business community attend. And he was like, Nat, I'm going to start bringing you to these. Um, oh. Again, he knew I was a bit of an introvert. He's like, but Nat, you have to, if you want to keep coming, the next morning you have to come and always tell me who were three people you met and tell me some interesting things about them. Oh, so it was really taking me yes. and pushing me out of my comfort zone. But, you know, back then, which is not even that long ago, but back then we'd walk into these business events and I'd stand at the door frozen going, holy crap, this is a room full of my dad. Yeah, yes. Oh, gosh, and yes. And thinking like, oh, my gosh, like what am I going to talk to about these people? You know, my own dad didn't find me interesting and or, you know, agree with the things that I was interested in and things like that. So it was really having to step out of my comfort yeah, zone in a lot of ways because, you know, Just for a very long time that is what leadership looked like in business. That's right. And, and you know, let's be honest, still does in a lot of ways as well. So In a lot of ways, but we're breaking through we jewels. We're, we're slowly shifting that. Absolutely we are. And it's and it's people like you and uh, and some of the other amazing women that I, that I interviewed that are also doing it um, and making that change happen. So... Tell me what happened next. How did you, how did you, did you, what, what came after that job? 
Yeah, so look, it it I, I loved working there, but again I was coming to a bit of a another difficult period in my life. Um I was starting to find um I needed a bit more of a challenge in my career. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had been given so much early and the nature of the business there was there wasn't a lot of, I guess, room to grow. Um, but also I had come to the realization a few years in that, you know, I mentioned that I was able to move out of home because I'd had this um, boyfriend who wanted to move out as well. Uh-oh. <laughs> and after a while I'd realized I had basically moved in with a younger version of my dad. Oh, Nat. Uh. So I was uh, in uh, feeling at a, I was at a point where I was really trapped um, oh, in my life. No. Um, there were some good things happening. I, I had joined a, a, a local not-for-profit called JCI, so I was meeting a lot of other amazing young business people in the Illawarra. You know when you, you find you met your tribe? Yes, yes, I do. People who really yes, are I on do. the same wavelength <laughs> as you and they have the same values and, yeah, well, like she's the boss. Yes. Um, so finding, you know, people who I really felt connected with but, you know, outside of that feeling very trapped and, and lonely and, again, the depression and things coming through. Oh, you poor um, thing. Now, my partner, he used to, um, he was in uh, like the construction engineering area, so he would often go away for big projects and that, and I thought maybe that's part of the reason. You know, you're always, yep. when you're in those situations, you're trying to make excuses. You do. For, um for, you know, what the problem is and no, 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 it could be better. Um, but he ended up getting um, some opportunities in Canberra. And I thought, oh, you know, there's a lot of looking online. There were a lot of really interesting job opportunities at the time in Canberra. Maybe that's what I need for my career as well. Yeah. Um, so I uh, ended up applying for some jobs in the public service and got a few offers. Um, it was a very interesting time to transition. I actually... Um, in early 2011, I was named the Illawarra Woman, uh, Young Businesswoman of the Year. Of course, um, you were, <laughs> which was such an amazing honour. But yeah, yeah, of course. But it was the irony of then accepting the reward. It was like you know, I'm, I love the business community here, and I appreciate and love this region. But actually, I'm moving. Yeah. Um, because I had accepted a job with the department. Well, I think back then it was something like the Department of Broadband Communications and the Digital <laughs> Economy. Right. Uh, it was one of those, we used uh, to call it Bacardi though, for short. Um, uh, did you send, take a photo of yourself with the award and send it to your dad and go, stuff you or something like that? Because the fact that you were the Illawarra Woman of the well, Year pretty unfortunately, much. unfortunately, I. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like sticking it to him. Well, I, I didn't do that. And. Well, the problem was I kind of did because I became very prominent in the, in the local media. So I was often oh, writing good. articles or being interviewed about things that I was doing um, and, you know, on the news, talking about economics. Yeah, brilliant. And that. So oh, I love it. Unfortunately, I kind of was always in his face. Yes, um, right. He couldn't escape me until uh, <laughs> until I had left the Illawarra. So right. it was always a little well, bit the- of a... Yeah. Yeah, stick that's it to you. A, yeah, there, here I am I like doing amazing things. Okay, so then you go to Canberra. Yep, so get this job. So we moved to Canberra. Yes. And, and absolutely loved it. But uh, the home life. So I But the home life at that stage, yes, did did you last so very long with him? We didn't. No. Um <laughs> I, I think the the issues became worse and worse. Right. And I ended up at I think right before Christmas 2011, I did something that I really should have done a lot longer, but I felt like, well, I can't. I have nowhere to go. If I leave this, I can't go back home. Yeah, right. Um, I, I'm, you know, don't really have any sort of friends I can move into. And one night he, uh, he went out again, as he often did, and I basically went, packed all my stuff, and um, Did a runner. interestingly, of all people, it was his, um, yeah, and it was his sister-in-law who took me in. Oh, wow. Um, so I ended up going and staying with his family for a couple of weeks. Oh, that's weird. Um, we ha- They happened to be in Canberra <laughs> as well. But they also saw I was in, you know, quite Distress. A, yeah. a bit of pain and not in a great state and he wasn't being a great person. So they took me in while I well, found myself great. a place. and. Yep. Yeah, ended up finding myself a, a gorgeous little apartment in Deakin, which is a, a lovely sort of inner south suburb of Canberra, and basically restarted my life. And roughly um, how scratch. old are you at this at this stage, Nat? 
My goodness. So if it's 2011, I would have been like 26, 27. Okay. Right. Yep. So that's, that is actually, if I look back on my life and a lot of people I know, I think that is a time of, of sort of change and growing up and all those sorts of things. So you finally yeah. get your own little pad, which I love. Um, how did the job and the career evolve from there? And so, look, from there, everything went amazing with my career. I um, was sort of getting promotions. Uh, I ended up uh, applying when there was the change of government. I applied for an opportunity because in Canberra, you actually have in ministerial offices, while they're kind of the political people, you do have people from different agencies who are stationed in those offices, basically to act as a liaison between the minister's offices and department agencies. And so I applied for an opportunity and I was chosen uh, by the relevant minister to go up and, and work in their office. So it was amazing to get to be behind the scenes at Parliament House and seeing how government happens, you know, behind those closed doors, being up there for big events. Um, in my time, there was the resignation of Kevin Rudd the passing away of Gough Whitlam, um, the visit of Harry and, um, not Harry, uh, William and Kate oh, um, yeah. to Parliament House, all these sorts of things going oh, cool. on. So really being in the thick of it all. Uh, and then uh, while I was up there, I remember getting a LinkedIn message um, from someone saying, hey, um, I'm recruiting for this role at Apple. Have a look. Let me know if you'd be interested. Oh, and how cool. I, yeah, I remember looking at that and going, huh. And uh, I, I showed it later to my, uh, well, he was my my new boyfriend at the part time, my my now husband. Ooh. Like going, <laughs> oh, um, does this look like, like a scam to you? He's like, I don't know. I'm like never in my life would I thought like Apple would reach out about an opportunity. But I follow it up and it turned out it was all legit and, you know, went through the, the stages of that process and yeah in 2015 I ended up uh, getting to join what I thought was the most amazing company in the world which yeah. was Apple. Yeah um, well so I'm kind a of with you. moment in my career. Yeah I bet so what was it really like? <laughs> was it as good as, as we think? It, it It's really really interesting and especially coming out of government because in some ways Yes, it was the most innovative, amazing company. It was such a great culture um, to work in, really strong sense of com um, camaraderie and people really there to support each other. Like, yeah, we're all one team, so I can't succeed if, if you don't succeed. Right. So people really open to helping each other. Um, but in some ways, and again, you know, if we look at the reality of big multinational corporations, there was also layers of bureaucracy um, and secrecy yes. <laughs> and, you know, things where it was kind of like, oh, I think people would be a bit shocked that in some ways, it you know, there is a lot of that similarity with the government sector. Um, and so, you know, it was an amazing, amazing place to work. Like I said, you know, working with some of the most brilliant people I've, I've ever met, um, but for someone like myself, and my background and my childhood, remember I said I'm always feeling like I was never inadequate and I had to figure out who I needed yeah. to be to deserve to be there, to get that approval. So oh, I just want to reach I through the, the – I, I want to reach through the microphone and give you a big hug, really. <laughs> I'm oh, sure anyone you're saying listening. that. I was like, if I could go back and give myself a big slap yeah. on the face when I was a kid and go, girl, snap out of it. No, um, no. It's a, yeah, it, the, it's, it's tough when you're a kid. And I just want to give you a yeah. hug because you really have done incredibly well, again, you know, in amongst all of that – turmoil and difficultness because difficultness, I don't even know whether that's a word, but you know, you, you've done. We'll make it a word. I'm loving this story. And, and really you, you are amazing, Nat. Thank you. Thank you. But you know, in my head, obviously I, I must've been amazing to get an opportunity to work at a company like Apple, but in my head, I was nowhere near as amazing as all the other people there and I felt like an imposter and it's like it's only a matter of time before oh, poor I get caught out. Oh, I don't deserve to be here. So it didn't really allow me to, I guess, enjoy the opportunity as much as I yeah. wanted to. 
Um, and you know, it, it was great for a few years, but again, my life was changing. So my partner and I, um, had bought a home together. I was, um, pregnant, um, and Aww. had my first child. Um, so, you know, that too. kind of, <laughs> yeah, so there, there's a happy ending at least at the, um, at the end of the, the relationship sagas. Um, but it was again, the change in life I was by, you know, that 2015 period, I was um, living, so I live at a place called Bungendore, which is a gorgeous little town outside of Canberra on, on yeah. the New South Wales side of the border. Um, I would be, you know, working a couple of days at home. I'd be flying up to Sydney to work a couple of days at Apple's corporate headquarters. I was um, had international leadership roles in my not-for-profit. So on the weekend or let's say on a Friday, I'd be working on a plane heading to Hong Kong or Japan or wow. you know, some India to speak at a conference or meet with this um, these wow, government Nash. leaders or whatever. So it was, you know, this really full-on lifestyle and that was just if I was doing a weekend in Asia, then there would be times I'm in the US or um, in Europe and things like that. So when you start to settle down and, you know, having, you know, a child and all of that is like this is this lifestyle's not going to work for me no, anymore. It's not. Um, I've been working so, so hard my entire life. I kind of went, you know what? I've never, I've never had a break. Right. So I kind of went, I think um now's I the time. Now is is the time that I need to slow down and enjoy life and enjoy the fruits of of um the life that I had created. Wow. And um, the irony and being was, that you didn't know what was coming, but it was going to force you to stay at home and relax a bit as well with the pandemic. Yes, yes, yes. And and look, that was this was a few years before that. My yep. first child was born in 2017. Okay. Um and so I realized, you know, it was time for a change. Um, you know, I, I mentioned I wasn't as happy as I could have been at Apple, but I noticed as well there were some shifts happening. Um, at the company, um, and particularly in the area that I worked in. And I went, you know, I feel like my role is probably not going to be here much longer. Right. So I'm going to kind of wait it out. And, you know, I think an ideal thing for me would be if there would be opportunity a to take a redundancy, yes, these changes yes. come through, and I'm going to take my break then. I really, really need a break. Uh, so Smart. that did that did eventuate. So I was like, great, everything is going to plan. And, you know, when often when there's a redundancy, you have something like the, um, uh, they called it the gardening leave. So those four yes. weeks where you're still paid, but you know, you're not, you're transitioning out. So my four weeks finished on the Friday. I thought, great. Now I'm, I'm enrolled to go do some uni. I'm going to have a bit of a break, enjoy our daughter. And the then Saturday morning, I discovered I was pregnant again. Oh, Nat. I was like, no, because that throws in a whole lot of complications. And one of the challenges as well was around, well, I have a daughter, she's in childcare, all these sorts of things. If I'm unemployed, I actually lose a lot of those benefits that I need. So it was like, okay, I don't have time to relax and enjoy. I've got to go find myself a job. Oh, so I'm dear. employed before yep. I go on maternity leave. So again, when I'm not feeling my greatest out there, you know, applying for, you know, lots of jobs and things. And I did um, get one. um, And that was an opportunity to work at Services Australia doing um, digital transformation. So if you haven't figured out, um, I didn't really end up continuing to be an economist in my career. No, you didn't. And it's interesting, Jules, (laughs) when you, you say, you know, going back to when we're in, in our, you know, doing our HSC or our final exams and it's all about I have to get this score and, you know, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And, you know, one of those things is you don't necessarily always know what your passion is No, at, at that all. time. No. And so I thought economics was my passion, but it turned out it wasn't. And so I was going through these different paths trying to figure out, well, what is my thing? You know, what do I want to be when I grow up um, for reals? Um, but so I got this opportunity at Services Australia. Of course, the way laws and things work means I didn't get any paid maternity leave, but at least I was employed and right. it meant I could access some of the benefits that came with being on maternity leave versus being unemployed. So again, all these kind of almost like bureaucratic, bureaucratic hurdles that we have to go through as women yeah. um, to kind of navigate how do I balance my career and family and all these sorts of silly and little hurdles. And it's tough. That it is shouldn't tough. Be, yeah, and stressful yeah. and all yeah. these things. I can't just 
you know, go on this path. There's all these parameters that I have to navigate and work through to be able to try and, and make it through the best as possible. So, um, you know, I had the job. I had a beautiful little boy. Um, we, My husband and I just built a, our, our home together. So, you know, things were going great. Yeah. Uh, end of 2019, I returned to work after taking the, um, the second lot of maternity leave. Uh, and so and then... it turned out the area, <laughs> yeah, the area I was working in was the part of Services Australia that was actually trying to, um, I still struggle to figure out what is the right word, but is it fix or um, repair um, what had happened with RoboDebt? Oh, and so gosh, of course okay. when I went back to work in 2019, yeah, that was the time there was the big Amato case um, in regards to RoboDebt, which really opened up the doors as to was this thing illegal, does it need to be um, cancelled, do we need to refund, you know, what happens, the big yeah. sort of dilemma of this is not right, something needs to happen. Um, and so, you know, a few months in I was, I was working part-time um, but it got to the point was March 2020, um, <laughs> no. the, the, cl the class action, the major class action against oh, the government right. in regards to robo-debt had just sort of really gotten underway. So I was tasked with leading not the legal side of it. I had nothing to do with the, the um, case itself, but all the stuff that we had to do as a result of that. So, for example, the, the justice saying you need to send out these letters to all the class members and all this sort of stuff. So I had to lead a lot of right. the implementation of that. Right, you were doing all the tactic, yeah, tactical stuff. So, yeah, so I was leading this stuff and then all of a sudden, of course, bang, we lockdown. went into lockdown. So I found myself in lockdown with a one-year-old and a three-year-old um, oh, leading a really, oh, no. really important matter. I mean, this was something we had to get right. Yeah, There were a lot of customers that had been um, impacted by this. I'd go as far as a lot of them would probably say traumatised. Yes. On top of that, there were a lot of staff that were very badly impacted and, and you know, here they are. They're all stressed out because they're dealing with the pandemic and the thousands upon thousands of people who are applying for job seeker and and a lot of that um income support they were going to need to get through these lockdowns and here we are saying hey guess what remember that robo debt thing yeah we're going to start sending letters again about that and you're probably uh, going to be getting phone calls and stuff so dealing with supporting them as well yeah through, yeah um a really so if, and for me i'm a very empathetic person so i really took this as you know, I'm I'm on a mission here. I, I have to do what I can to get the best outcome for oh, people. So people feel like there there is some sort of I don't know what the right word is, whether it's justice or recompense or something, you know, acknowledgement, yeah. Fix, fix trying to fix it for people the best you can in, in, yeah. in horrible circumstances. I, okay. So here we are. I mean I'm in lockdown. I've got a one year old and a three year old. I'm working really, really stressful work and, oh, hang on, turns out I'm not really working part-time hours. We're working from home anyway, so I'm working full-time plus overtime hours. Yeah. And this went on for months and just that sense of always being on, always dealing with, I guess it's really, if I think about it now, it's always dealing with trying to fix other people's problems, whether it's in this role trying to fix, you know, what these customers had gone through or as a mother trying to fix, you know, the um, the sore knee, the making sure they have nutritious food, making sure my husband is being supported, all these And also the boredom that came with the kids not being able to get out, no school. I mean, there was just so much that you had to deal well, with. Well, and, yeah, because mine, mine was oh. so young. There was no, yeah. like, oh, here's oh, an God, iPad, yeah, go play course. in your room. They're all over you. Yeah, they um, are. And, you know, the one-year-old, they, they can't live without you. No. Now, listen, we have we are going to run out of time and we haven't got to you starting your own business yet. So tell us oh, how Eliphorus yes. suddenly came out of all of this. Yeah. So really towards the end of 2020, I was really starting to struggle. Um, I, I was just physically, emotionally, psychologically. I felt like I was failing um, in my role at work as a leader. I felt like I was failing as a mum, as a um wife as hang on I'm supposed oh. to be a little miss high achiever and I'm just failing at everything and I can't 
I was in, you know, such a it sounds like you were spiraling. Yeah, yeah, really, really badly. And it got to the point where one morning, so I tended to get to the office um, earlier than most people because I wanted to finish early for kid pickups and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I walked into the office. You know, the lights are turning on, the motion sensor lights as I walk through. I sat at my desk, and I burst into tears. Yeah. And I jumped on two teams. <laughs> yeah, I, it got to the point of there's nothing left. And so I messaged my manager. She was based in um, down in Victoria and said, can we chat? I really need to chat. And so she's like, yep, we jumped on a call. And I just told her I'm, I, I'm, I'm burnt out. I'm broken down. I, I, I can't give any more um, to this. And so... Um, we, she was amazing. Work was amazing. I'm very um, pleased really to hear that they were. Yeah, great. Yeah, um, doing they're, everything. They're they the ones who put you in me, this position. So. They're the ones who put you in the position yeah, in the first place. But, you know, some some organisations talk that yes, we care about well-being or whatever, and then when you struggle, they go, "Oh, we'll suck it up, princess." Whereas <laughs> this was like, "Okay, no, we're glad you told us. Yep. Let's work yep. through it." Great. And I ended up taking three or four months off work, and this is where you know I mentioned I discovered. That quote about you know the um, having the weight of the universe on the shoulder and wearing it like wings and as I was doing a lot of exploration and thinking about what do I really love, I remember that I've had this really diverse career. I was an economist and then I was a you know doing small business policy for the government and then I was doing digital transformation for Apple. What was the link? And for me, the link was always I'm so driven to help people grow to help them actually kind of go, hang on, I understand what that information needs or I understand what's going on for me and how I can use that to better myself, better my business, better my community. It was always about empowering people. And um, one day I was doing the old Facebook scrolling and I, I stumbled upon, um, then it was called the Australian College of Applied Psychology. Um, oh, yeah. that They were doing a, a graduate certificate in coaching. And, you know, this is a really important leadership skill. And I went, oh, okay, this sounds interesting. And and so I decided to apply and I started thinking more about, you know, this is the part of my job I really love, but it's kind of, you know, maybe 10% of what I get to do, um, you know, and then it was literally, you know, New Year's Day, I was in the shower and just had this like brainwave of, you know what, I'm starting a business. Um, and I decided, yes, I want to do leadership coaching and training. That's what I'm going to do. But again, like, oh, is this right? Should I do it? And I think the thing that really cemented it for me was, you know, I, I, I eventually went back to work um, at Services Australia. It was that graduated return to work as I was kind of, you know, still recovering. And I remember when I returned to work, um, one of the um, – managers or areas that were supporting me. I can't remember exactly who it was. Maybe it was HR. Um, but, you know, of course, trying to be really supportive said to me now, you know, now, of course, we're not going to tell anyone what happened to you. Everyone knows you've been working so hard and we're delivering such great results. You needed a break. So, you know, it's your secret safe with us. And I just thought to myself, hell no. I needed like, to be the opposite. <laughs> yes, we have to talk about this because if yeah. I just continue to perpetuate this lie that leadership is easy and we have all the answers and we have all our shit together and, you know, this is what being a leader means, all I'm doing is setting up all those people I lead and the many people in the organisation who look to me as a leader and go, you know, maybe one day I'd like to be in Nat's shoes, I'm setting them up to go through the same yep. horrible yep journey that I went through of that burnout and breakout uh, breakdown. So uh, that really cemented to me that, no, we have to break the taboo. It is not a stigma to have challenging periods as a leadership. It is part of leadership. And, and it's part of growth. Willing. It's yeah. part of life. That's right. So we That's need right. to be willing to have those conversations and, you know, use that to support each other. Because, you know, yeah, the great thing about challenges in life is as you work through them and you learn and you figure out how to come through it, you come out stronger at the other end. So that's really the, the philosophy that underpinned for me creating this business is going, hey, yep, you've got a challenge. Let's acknowledge it. Let's work through it. Let's explore it. Let's understand what's going on here. 
and let's help you figure out how do you overcome it? Because when you do, damn, do we absolutely unleash the best of you um, and, you know, the leader that is waiting to be out there um, making not a perfect impact, but a powerful impact in the world around them. Oh my God, you are, you are so amazing. I absolutely love this. Um, we're just about out of time, I think, Nat, but if anyone wanted to come and have you as their sounding board, as their coach, as their person to help them get unstuck, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I do coaching, as I only briefly mentioned, I do a lot of training as well. Um, and I love speaking as well. So if you want me to just come and have a chat with your people, the best way to reach me is um, jump on LinkedIn. You can find me Natalie Dawes, or you can reach me through the organization. I have a page which is Eliferous Leadership Strategies. Um, yep. So you can find me very easily there. Or shoot me an email. So the email is natalie, N-A-T-A-L-I-E, at Eliferous Leadership, A-L-I-F-E-R-O-U-S, leadership.com. And I would definitely love to chat with you. Oh, well, I am sure that there will be people listening to this going, I need that woman who is obviously a genius at school, has all of this experience, and is now using it to help other others uh, get into those roles. So, you know, you're an absolute inspiration, Nat, and thank you so much for sharing your story. I know it's going to really resonate with a whole lot of the women listening. Yeah, thank you, Jules, for the opportunity. Like I said, we have to have these conversations because that's the only way all of us are going to grow and flourish and really thrive in our careers as yep. and our lives as amazing women. Yep, absolutely. I'm, I'm high-fiving you right now. Thanks so much, Nat. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.